Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Well, Felicite, thanks for reading for us. Uh, Evening all, let me add my welcome to Pete's. It's great to see you here this evening. If we've not met, my name's Andy, and as Pete said, I'd love to to meet you just at the end of the service, and I'll just be at the back there by the door. We're going to spend the next um, bit of time together looking at these few verses that were read for us from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Um, if, uh, If you're a scribbler and it helps you, there should be a little handout in the bundle that you were given that just shows you uh, an outline of where we're going over the next few minutes. Uh, And um, while you find that, I'm just going to uh, pray for the Lord's help. And so let's pray. Our Lord God, your word says that blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on your law day and night. And so we pray that this evening you would please help me to speak faithfully and clearly as one who delights in this your word and help each of us to hear with faith as those who love to hear your voice and to dwell on it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how do you grow as a Christian? How do you change the way that you live? Uh, Occasionally in my life, I've met Christians who've thought that Jesus was a bit like a sort of of get-out-of-jail-free card in Monopoly. I don't know how recently you've paid Monopoly, but you know the sort of thing, you get it out of the community chest or whatever, and you see it, and you think, oh, that's, that, that's a nice thing, I'll, I'll just slip that next to my cash, just under the board, and then it'll be there when I need it. And just occasionally, I've known Christians who've thought about Jesus a bit like that, um, security for one day when I die, but for now, I'll just keep him slipped under the board, won't think about him too much until I need him. But... Um, Most Christians that I have known have recognized that there is far more to Jesus than that and far more to the Christian life, that the Christian life involves growth and change. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, back in Philippians 1 verse 21, do have your Bibles open. If you haven't got it open, do do get it open. Have a look at that again. Paul has written to the Christians in Philippi, whatever happens, you know, this one thing Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
And we talked about how that idea of conduct in that verse is the idea of citizenship. Paul is saying live like an expat from heaven. Paul is saying if you're going to walk the streets of heaven because of Jesus Christ, start living like it long before you hit those streets. You see, being a Christian involves change and growth. It involves change to the way that you live. But, but how? How do you become more the person that you will be on that day in the heavenly kingdom? How do you become more that sort of person now, today? Again, last week, we were seeing in the first part of Philippians chapter 2, Paul saying that our new mindset as Christians, as those who've been connected to Jesus when we've believed in him, the new mindset that we've received is one of humbly sacrificing ourselves. That's what Christ did. He laid down his life for other people. In humility, he didn't exalt himself because of his position in heaven, but came down to earth and died for us. And Paul has said, we Christians are to think in the same way. That's to be our attitude. But how? Too often I find that I'm too proud, too selfish to sacrifice myself for other people, too busy thinking about my own concerns. So how do I change? How does that sort of mindset take hold of me as a Christian? And listen, if you're looking into the Christian faith here this evening and you're not sure where you stand on things, um, let me say, as always, that you're very welcome here. There's always a number of people like that and we love to have you with us. Uh, this is a key question, not just for the Christian, but for everyone, because the invitation of the Christian gospel is not just to come and know God, not just to come and be forgiven by God, but to come and be transformed by God. And so how does that work? How do we change? Well, look, the Bible has a lot to say on this topic. It's a big topic. But tonight's passage has one of the key truths at the heart of how you change and how I change as a Christian. It's there in verse 12. Paul says, halfway down the verse, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. How do you grow? Paul says, continue to work out your salvation. Uh, Paul's answer to the question, um, I've called it dependent activism. See, the passage we're looking at this evening is a call to dependent activism. I say activism because that phrase in verse 12, work out your salvation, work out, is a phrase that means hard slog. It's an intensive version of the word for work. Um, now, I know that some of you are still finishing off your exams at the moment, if you're a student here. Some of, you, some of you have the relaxed air of people who've been finished for two weeks already. But maybe you can remember back to um, that time when the exams were looming just a few days away. 
My memory of uni is it's the, it was the one time when it was socially acceptable to be in the university library, just a few days before exams. And that's the image here, work out. It's the image of long hours and late, night, uh, late nights, because these exams really count. It's the image of the double shift on the busiest night of the year. It's the week before the big deal closes or the end of the tax year. It's hard slog. One commentator puts it like this, it's a word for continuous, sustained, and strenuous effort. Now, I don't know what you work hardest for in your life. I don't know what you sweat and struggle and strive for. I've known people who've labored very hard at their career. I've known people who've struggled away to make the first 11 or the first sports team. I've known people who've got up and, uh, and worked long hours for things that they dreamed of. And Paul says, to grow as a Christian is to work like that at the Christian life. Continue to work out your salvation. Now notice, Paul isn't saying work for your salvation. Uh, that's how so many of the religions of this world work. Um, just think about, um, think about Islam for a minute. So for the devout Muslim, they have to observe the five pillars of Islam as devoutly as they can for their whole life in the hope that at the end of their life, Allah will have mercy on them based on how devout they've been through the course of their life. But Jesus... Well, Jesus works very differently to that. Uh, we saw last week in Philippians 2, 1 to 11, that Jesus Christ came down from heaven and humbled himself to die on a cross. He bore the punishment for every wrong that we have ever committed, every wrong thought or word or deed and he's given us his status of in the right with God so that we can be certain of a place in his kingdom. Uh, just over the page in Philippians 3 verse 20, Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven. If you trust Jesus, you already have a place in his heavenly kingdom. You know, I don't know what passport you have at home. Um, for at least... Um, I don't know, a few more months or however long it'll take with Brexit. I have one of those maroon British passports. But Paul says if you've trusted Jesus, you already have the passport to heaven. That's where you belong. It's not that you must work for your salvation. It's already yours. But if one day you will walk the streets of heaven, Paul says start working that out now. If you're going to glory, get up and get active about your Christian faith. Dependent activism. And that's going to involve hard work. It's going to involve struggle against my sinful desires. It'll involve battling my selfishness to do what's right. It'll involve doing things to try to grow. You know, sometimes we talk about the Christian faith in very passive terms, don't we? I wonder if you've ever heard someone use the phrase, let go and let God. Or just be silent and surrender yourself to Jesus Christ. And Paul says, no, don't let go and let God. Get up 
and work out your salvation. If, if I read Philippians 2, 1 to 11, and I'm struck, as I have been very struck by my lack of humility, my lack of willingness to lay down my life in sacrificial service of other people, I don't just pray, Lord, please make me more humble, and then get up on Monday morning and carry on with life as if everything's exactly the same. I pray, oh, I pray, Lord, make me more humble. And then I open up my diary and my contacts and I think, who needs help? How can I serve? What are the needs that other people have at church that will put me out, but where I'll have a chance to sacrifice myself to serve them? If I read the Bible, I'm convicted of my gossip. I don't just pray, Lord, keep me from gossiping words, but I work out my salvation. I get up and I make a plan. Maybe it's 10 minutes at the end of the day just to think back over the conversations I've had with people and work out if there's anyone that I need to get in touch with and apologize to them for the way I spoke about someone else that day. Work out your salvation, not passive, but active. And sometimes, even if we don't talk about the Christian faith in passive terms, we live as if growing in godliness is a very passive thing, don't we? We go go to church on a Sunday, come to small group, but then carry on doing the same old stuff, as if simply coming and hearing will change us. But Paul says, continue to work out your salvation, blood and sweat and tears and hard work. Listen, no one, no one ever drifted into greater godliness. You can't wing godliness. You can't pitch up on the day and blag it. Paul says, continue to work out your salvation. It sounds like intimidating stuff though, doesn't it? I don't know if you're an activist personality by nature, but it sounds like intimidating stuff. I've always loved loved the Bond movies, you know, even the really terrible ones with Roger Moore where he's about 80 years old or something like that and you're supposed to still believe that he's the super sleuth. But of course, James Bond is the ultimate one-man hero, isn't he? You know, it doesn't matter how many minions or soldiers are guarding the hollowed-out volcano where the supervillain lives, and it doesn't matter how many sort of straps have tied James Bond up before the laser beam takes him out, or how many sharks are in the tank beneath him. That one guy on his own, you know he's going to do it, defeat all the villains and come out victorious. And sometimes... When I hear a really encouraging and exciting Christian talk, I feel a bit like a kind of spiritual James Bond. You know, I feel like, yeah, I can do it. I can be more like Jesus. And off I go out the door feeling pretty good about it. And then about about an hour later, my inadequacy and my failure and my sin comes back to hit me. Do you ever feel like that? You ever have that sort of experience? More often than not, I feel inadequate to the task of growing in godliness. 
I hear that I'm meant to be humble and Christ-like, but I'm weighed down by my own pride and failure and lack of concern for other people. And Paul says that we're not left on our own to do this. This is not one man, do it by yourself, James Bond activism he's calling us to. Look again at verse 12. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for, because it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. You see, we're not left on our own to the task. You don't need to be a kind of spiritual James Bond because the God of the universe, the God who made you and who loved you enough to send his son to die for you, the God who has promised you, if you're a Christian, a place in his heavenly kingdom, that God is at work in your life to will and to act, far from leaving us on our own, He is with us. He's got a change project to open us up and change us from the inside out. And of course, that doesn't mean that we need to um, sit, sit around and do nothing and wait for God to change us. Again, I don't hear of my need to be humble and pray, Lord, make me more humble and then sit down in the quiet and wait to feel prompted to feel more humble or something like that. I mean, don't get me wrong, if you feel prompted to pray or to speak to someone about Jesus, if, if something's on your heart, then, then do it, of course, if it's godly. It was Martin Lloyd-Jones who said, never resist any urge to pray, but you don't need an inner prompt. You don't have to sit around waiting for one, because the way this works is that God has given us his word to show us his son, Jesus Christ, and to show us what it means to follow him, to work out our salvation. And as we're convinced in our minds, we have to make a decision to get up and act, to continue to work out our salvation, to be obedient. And as we do that, as we roll up our sleeves and get to work, so we find that God is at work in us, See, it's not one or the other, but both. We work out our salvation because God is at work within us. I was chatting to some of the staff about this uh, earlier in the week, and I'm going to embarrass uh, Gareth, our, um, our senior youth uh, uh, minister, who's just hiding over there in the corner. Um, uh, he, he, said, uh, he said to me this week something that I thought perfectly summed up the point that Paul was making in an example. He said, look, the thing that changed my life was helping with the kids' work at church because that group of kids had questions about God and so I needed to find answers to give to them. And as I was involved in teaching them about Jesus from the Bible, I saw their lives changing and I saw the gospel at work and I found that as I served... God was at work within me, changing me. You see, we don't need to sit quietly and wait for God to work within us. We get to work and we find that he is as we do that. But it means that we can set about living out the Christian life with boldness, with confidence. Look, your past failings don't need to define you. 
we can come to God as we've done this evening in confession and ask him to forgive us. We can ask him to help us change and then we can get up and live like the citizens of heaven that we are. Work out your salvation. And I think knowing that God is at work in us helps tremendously with that phrase about fear and trembling in verse 12. Because you see, it's not, um, it's not fear and trembling because I'm frightened that God might sort of come and take my salvation away. You know, you've not done well enough, so I'm going to cut you out or something like that. No, it's, it's the fear and trembling of awe and respect that comes from knowing that the God of the universe is at work in my little life, that he's got a change project for me. Uh, A friend of mine is a massive Man United fan, and somehow, in spite of that, we've managed to maintain our friendship over a number of years. Uh, He won a competition, I think it was on the back of a can of Coke, um, to play a football match at Old Trafford. And it was just, you know, it was just a friendly match between um, 22 competition winners. But he said, boy, the, the experience of walking out of that tunnel onto the pitch to play at Old Trafford, it was enough to make my knees go weak. And there, there are one or two Liverpool fans out there who are thinking it would make you feel a whole other experience this evening. But you see, that's the point that Paul is making here when he talks about fear and trembling. Look, this really matters. The God of the universe has a plan, a project to change your life, to will and work in you. Get up and work out your salvation. Dependent activism. With God's help, we begin to change as he changes us. But it doesn't feel like sitting quietly, waiting for God to do something, It feels like busting a gut to grow, struggling against my sinful desires to say no to them, making plans to do active things for good to others. Work out your salvation. And then just very briefly, Paul uh, Paul gives two results that will happen, two big outboxes of seeking to actively work out your salvation in your life, to continue to bust a gut, to grow as a Christian uh, by way of motivation. We'll just look at each of them very briefly. But first of all, Paul says one big result will be witness to the world. Have a look down at verse 14 with me. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. I don't know if you've ever been up in the Peak District in the middle of the night on a clear night when the stars are shining. Uh, I remember driving back from Manchester uh, through the Snake Pass and, and just very nearly crashing my car because it just took my breath away to see the stars shining through that dark night. You know, most of the time there's just street lighting that means I can't see any of that. But out there in the dark, they shone and it was clear. And Paul says, look, the world that we live in in many ways is a dark world a crooked and depraved 
generation, a, a world in rebellion against God where many people give no thought to how they live. And Paul says, if you make every effort to work out your salvation, to live out the fact that you are a citizen of heaven, you will shine in a dark world. You will stand out with beauty and clarity. I remember the friend who first invited me to come to church with him when I was just a teenager. Um, I hadn't grown up in a uh, Christian home, and to be honest, I was quite skeptical of Christian beliefs. But I was really impressed by the way that he lived his life. And so when he said, do you want to come along to my youth group and hear what I believe in, I was quick to say yes, because I wanted something of what he had in his life. And Paul says that's how it will work. Verse 16, as you hold out the word of life, uh, there's, some, there's some debate among the pundits whether it's hold out or hold on to the word of life, but I don't think it matters much because in order to hold on to the gospel, you have to hold it out. And in order to hold it out, you have to be holding on to it. And Paul says in verse 16, as you seek to hold out the word of life, the gospel about Jesus, that message that you can be forgiven and welcomed into the kingdom of heaven, as you seek to hold that out, well, if you are making every effort to work out your salvation, no one will be able to deny that you're growing and changing. You'll stand out from the crowd. You'll shine. But you don't drift into that. You don't wing that. You work at it. Work out your salvation. And one of the big results is is our witness to the world. Uh, But then secondly, Paul says there's another result, which is joy to the church. Look again at the second half of verse 16. Uh, In order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing... But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Uh, Paul basically says to the Philippians, if you're really going for it in your Christian life, if you're trusting Jesus and working hard to live out what that means in practice, well, I'll know that all the hardships I went through to tell you about Jesus, the fact I'm in prison in Rome, is worthwhile. That I didn't run or labor for nothing. In the Old Testament, um, when you offered a sacrifice, that the main sacrifice was of an animal, like a sheep or a goat or something like that. And that was really the, um, the key thing that you went to offer to God if you went to the temple in the Old Testament. But you could add a sort of an optional extra, a free will offering of a drink like wine could be poured on top of the sacrifice. And Paul says, look, if I know that you're really going for it, working out your salvation, slogging away to grow more like the citizens of heaven you are, if you're offering your life to God like that, well, frankly, me... Even if I die in a prison in Rome, it'll just be like the drink offering poured on top. I'm 
frankly, I'll be delighted to offer myself. Verse 17, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. And listen, if you've, if you've known what it is to have some small part in someone coming to know Jesus Christ for themselves, I take it you will know something of the joy that Paul is talking about here. I used to have um, a little uh, Bible study group for sixth formers that met in my front room. And there was, a, there was a lad who came along to that called Adam. Now, Adam had a very clear sort of atheist worldview and a growing collection of offensive tattoos on his arms. You know, each week he came and it would be, what's your, what's your new tattoo, Adam? And, um, and he said quite early on, oh, I'm not the sort of person who goes to church. But, uh, but I, I, you know, I thought I'd come along because some of my friends go to the group. But... But God changed his mind as he looked at the evidence for Jesus. He became a Christian, and now he's a pastor at um, a church on a council estate in Red Hill. And I tell you what, there are a number of prayer letters that I get every month for people I've committed to pray for. But when Adam's one comes in, it is the first one that I open, and I read it with the biggest smile on my face. Because I remember that, um, that slightly angry, tattooed 17-year-old who, who wasn't the sort of person who went to church. And I see how he's going on with the Lord. And it puts the biggest smile on my face and praise to God in my heart. And Paul says, that is how he will feel if he hears the Philippians are really going for it. And I don't know who's had the biggest impact on your life as a Christian. And maybe it was our vicar here, Paul, or one of the guys before him, Hugh or Philip, or or someone else. But if we want to be a joyful church, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. You see, Paul says, um, do do it because God is at work in you, and do it knowing that you'll put a smile on my face. Our witness to the world, yes, but also our joy in the church. And so as I close, let me say again, this is just one aspect of how you grow and change as a Christian. There's there's more more to be said from the Bible as a whole, but here is an aspect we must not go wrong on. We don't let go and let God... We don't just pray and then sit back and hope that we'll drift into growth and change. Paul says, continue to work out your salvation. If you're going to glory, get up and get active, depending on God that he is at work within you to change you. If we want to have a dramatic impact on the world and on the church, It'll be through working hard in light of all that Christ has done for us. And so as I close, let me ask you, what will you be doing this summer to grow? What will you be doing this week to work out your salvation? Uh, The most challenging question I think I've been asked in the last two years um, was someone who asked me not, um, what are you reading from the Bible by yourself at the moment. He asked me, what have you done differently 
because of your personal Bible reading recently. Continue to work out your salvation. Well, let me pray. Our loving Father God, we thank you and praise you that you are at work to will and act according to your good purpose within us. And so we pray that you would please keep us from those who, being those who drift along in the Christian life. Help us instead to roll up our sleeves and get stuck in and to live as the people we will be on that day when we see you face to face. In Jesus' name. Amen.